The views and opinions expressed in the Pisada Tales are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent those of the people, institutions, or organizations that they may or may not be associated with professionally or personally unless explicitly stated. Any content provided by the host and guests are of their own knowledge and opinion and do not intend to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. Hello, Jay here. So uh, this episode will be a bit different, all right? And before we begin this episode, I would just like to point, give a few points, all right? So first, I would just like to give a shout out to the good folks at the Philippine Podcast Directory. Recently, I was in an episode of uh, Podtitos and Podtitas of PPD. It's too many Ps. But anyway, <laughs> it was a lot of fun and I would just like to give a great thank you to uh, Sir Drayan, Sir Jack, Sir GP, Wesley, Sir Ajib, uh, Sir Brycon, Sir MR, Carl. Um, these are good folks over at PPD, right? Check out definitely their uh, their podcast. So uh, check out the PPD show. You check out uh, Jack Talks Tech, uh, the Young Leader Podcast, Sidelines PH, the Banyo Podcast, Three Flash, the and there are a lot more actually there are a lot more uh shout out as well to atishari of the pechai show uh ati jelly of Ontan nights uh atirea and sir jeff of copy na lang dear christian and mike of the working becks uh bullet of mad in manila uh ck of sustainer rumble ati hillary lucila randre and Ico of brain cells all right and there are a lot more all right so if i didn't get to mention your name i apologize uh, it's nothing personal i hope to do i hope though that we uh, get to know you a lot more. I get to know you a lot more. All right. Um, they're a really, really great uh, bunch of people. Uh, you can check out their Facebook page of the Philippine Podcast Directory. You know, whatever your trip is, there's a podcast for you. <laughs> Next point. Uh, I would just like to explain. Like I said, this is going to be a bit different. I'm thinking of doing a uh, sort of a public lecture series. Uh, while I do not have you know, years of experience with me, there are topics that I do, that I feel passionate about, and that I do want to talk about. And this is one of them. So this episode will be one of them. Um, so let me know. Let me know if this is something that would interest you, that you feel that would be a good idea. In terms of the podcast, uh, if you have any comments, suggestions, mess questions, or maybe even corrections, uh, feel free to message Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at the Pisara Tales. That's at the Pisara Tales on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you don't want to do that, you can always email me uh, the Pisara Tales at gmail.com. All right. Uh, like I said, this will be a different episode. Uh, I won't be in the outro. I won't be saying goodbye. So I'm pretty much going to say the ending credits here. So the original music that you will hear later uh, was composed by EJ Lin. Shout out to EJ. Thank you very much. All right. Um, publici- publicity materials that you've seen right, uh, were made by Janine Vasquez. Thank you very much, uh, Nine, for your dedication to the craft because I make very awful uh, publication materials but thank you you're there all right um and finally last point so this topic in particular was something that i've always wanted to do as a teacher this is always uh, at the back of my head i've always wanted to do to do this and recently i got the chance of doing it in one of my science classes now for obvious reasons i cannot post the actual recording of that class right uh, but this is the next best thing. So I redid the whole lecture as a podcast episode. 
<laughs> and yeah, we'll see how this goes. Alright, like I said, just hit me up if you like it, if you don't want more, if you want to want to go back to the old style of the usual episodes that we do, that's fine by me, alright? Uh, but thank you very much. Thank you for listening. Uh, whether you're listening through Anchor, Spotify, Google, Apple, or wherever you get your podcast, uh, really, 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 really appreciate it. Um, yeah, recently, oh, by the way, before I go, I recently saw that um, the Pisara Tales is ranked number 99 on education podcasts in the Philippines. And yes, 99. Uh, we're at least we're in the charts. At least we're in the charts, and uh, we hope to do to give you better content, to do better in podcasting. So for our listeners, thank you, thank you so much for uh, tuning in to the Pisara Tales. All right, this episode is dedicated to all of my uh, fellow Filipino scientists, educators, colleagues, mentors, friends. May we continue to search. For the untarnished truth with honor and excellence. Hashtag science serve the people. Once again, this is Sir Jay wishing you a wonderful day. Ever since time immemorial, science has been a foundation of the collective knowledge and wisdom of mankind. Once man started to become curious about the world around him, science pretty much began. Today, we'll explore in a nutshell what science is, how to distinguish it from other fields of study, the characteristics of scientists, and what is the purpose of science. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, science is defined to be, quote, the intellectual and practical activity encompassing the systematic study of the structure and behavior of the physical and natural world through observation and experiment. Because of this, whenever we think of science, we can always look back at those three characteristics. First, science is intellectual. It involves knowledge acquired from the study of the world around us. Next, science is practical. Knowledge is acquired through the process of observation and experimentation. And finally, science is systematic. The mentioned process goes through a proper system of analysis and validation. So whenever when we're analyzing you know, what science is, we would always go back to these three characteristics. And whenever we would try to figure out if something is a science, we could always look back, you know, is it intellectual, is it practical, is it systematic? Now, there are many fields of science, as we all know, and we could summarize them into four main branches. The first branch of science is what we call the natural science. When we say natural science, it deals with the study of the natural world. It seeks to know and understand the world and the universe. And, and it can still be subdivided into two uh, sub-branches, right? You have your life sciences, which uh, include you know, fields of biology, zoology, uh, botany, you know, anything that deals with uh, life. The other branch that you could divide natural sciences uh, into would be your physical sciences. So physical sciences would involve, well, pretty much physics, uh, chemistry, astronomy. So these are um, still part of the nature, still part of the natural world and the universe around us, uh, but do not necessarily 
involve life. Although we could, you know, we could surmise that there are a lot of overlaps between these different fields of science because it is still pretty integrated to one another. The next type of science is what we call formal science. So formal science deals with what is known as formal systems. Uh, what this means is that we're concretizing abstract concepts. So things that we are, you know, we, we don't normally, um, you know, physically observe, but they exist that we know to, we know them to exist. And these are abstract concepts that we try to concretize with symbols and axioms and propositions and postulates and stuff like that. So, you know, from the terms alone, you could pretty much uh, guess that you know, an example of formal science would be, you know, fields of mathematics. So anything that involves numbers, arithmetic, uh, logic is another example of a formal science. Uh, and yeah, anything that deals with abstract concepts that we're trying to concretize. Another example of a branch of science would be your social science. Social science now deals with you know, the study of humans and their behavior, their interactions with one another, and how they interact with societies at large. So whenever we deal with social science, these are you know, fields of study that as I mentioned, they deal with humans, the nature of humans, how do they behave, how do they interact. And you know, given examples of this would be uh, psychology, your uh, sociology, uh, philosophy. So these are natures of, uh, fields of study, rather, that involve human nature. And they are uh, a part of science. And one, and probably the last uh biggest field of science is what we call the applied science. So applied science is concerned with the application of knowledge from the aforementioned sciences, natural, formal, social. It's pretty much uh, inter interdisciplinary. So a lot of these applied sciences involve a combination of a multitude of these different you know, fields of study, fields of sciences. So biggest examples would be your medicine right, and engineering. So when we say when we talk about medicine, we're not just dealing with biology of people, with the anatomy of people. We can incorporate, uh, some, uh, we can incorporate uh, fields of study in terms of chemistry, of course, in physics, biophysics, biomechanics. Uh, we can also incorporate, whenever we deal with medicine, we're also incorporating the social aspect. Uh, we're also incorporating you know, how other factors can affect the health of a person. I remember, you know, from uh, my friends who are med students, they have this, uh, especially those that are studying uh, in University of the Philippines College of Medicine. They have this uh, story that is being that is that they are given, right, as students. Uh, it's called Ang Cuento ni Rosario, the story of Rosario, and it talks about uh, Rosario, who is a one and a, one year, uh, pretty much a baby, one year and four months. And the whole story is talking about you know the social situation of the of Rosario's family. Uh, her father is twenty four years old. Her mother is twenty seven, and you know they are living below the poverty line, making their parents are trying to make ends meet, but they don't really live in a uh, very safe house. They don't really have you know, the proper uh, healthy environment that families ought to have, right? And, you know, if you would read this anecdote 
um, you would read this anecdote, you would notice that you know, health concerns are not necessarily just a matter of um, phys- uh, natural science. It's not just a matter of biology. It's not just a matter of what they're eating. But there's also that social aspect, and that's where you incorporate the social sciences. Why is this family um, living below the poverty line? What caused their poverty? What is the root of their fo- poverty? And because of this poverty, they're having these health symptoms. And, you know, all of these things are very much uh, related to each other. And that is uh, very much a good example of applied sciences. The other applied science that I talked about would be engineering. So engineering is not just a matter of physics. It's not just a matter of building buildings, but also understanding uh, what kind of structures would benefit people, what kind of structures would be beneficial. Is this the right building to build? Is it the right place to build? Right. One example that comes to mind would be your uh, the photobomber, Rizal Park. So I'm not sure uh, if you've heard about that uh photobomber quote-unquote but there's this building that was uh, in the news a few years ago for its uh, weird position right weird uh, to put it mildly right it's um, it's placed in such a way that it is part now of the skyline whenever you look at Rizal Park uh, the Rizal monument at a certain at a certain angle right you can see the building and you know while they are, uh, it is. It was a very controversial topic, right? Especially at the time of, uh, when it was building, because of course there are historical figure, uh, historical bodies who are saying that no, oh, they shouldn't have done that. They shouldn't uh, that they shouldn't have uh, placed it there. And there are calls for the local government to, you know, shut it down because, you know, it's not supposed to be there and it's blocking uh, a world heritage site or something like that. You know. Whenever engineers would have to build buildings, these are things that they also have to consider as well. So it's not just a matter of, you know, building stuff. There's also the social aspect. So all of these sciences, uh, natural, formal, social, they're very much interrelated with one another. And uh, these are fields of study that uh, are part of science, pretty much. Right? So now that we we've established you know, what constitutes science. There are other uh, fields of study that are not necessarily science, right? Uh, you know, these are very, um, these are not hard definitions, by the way. Uh, people would dispute some, uh, people can dispute some of the things that are, that I'll be mentioning here. But generally, you know, these are considered uh, non-sciences and pseudosciences. So first, non-sciences. Non-sciences are fields of study that do not fall under the branches of science. So they're not necessarily a natural science. They're not necessarily a social science. Um, yes, they may. They are still fields of study, right? They are generally what we call the humanities, basically. So yes, they may be studied, but they generally do not follow scientific processes. What this means is that they're... Um, their ways of experimentation is not as rigid as, say, the other sciences whenever they're doing the research, right? But it doesn't mean, it doesn't make these fields of study any less. Uh, what it just means is that they are a different field on their own. So when we think about the humanities, uh, we could talk about um, philosophy, art, right, music. Um, these are fields of study that, on their own, right, you can consider them, quote-unquote, non-science, just because they do not necessarily 
follow the uh, strict, the rigid processes of scientific processes. Uh, but these are still valid fields of study, and there are a lot of people you know studying these. And this is not a knock on them. These are actually things that make us as human. They round out you know our character. They round out our uh, nature because it's not enough that we just know science. You know there are things. There are more things to life. You know? Just like what was mentioned in Dead um, Poets Society, if I remember that correctly, there's more to life than just, you know, science. First, there's the non sciences. And, you know, finally, there's what we call pseudoscience. So, pseudoscience is highly controversial. It involves beliefs, statements, practices that seem like science, but are not actually science, right? These can be, uh, these can be intentional. Or these could be non-intentional, but um, the general consensus, especially amongst uh, scientists, is that you know they're generally backed with inconsistent, incomplete, or inaccurate claims. So, what caused, what started uh, the classification of pseudoscience? Right. So Karl Popper, who was uh, a philosopher, right, he mentioned something, uh, you know, distinguishing what pseudoscience is right and there is that uh, a, there is that characteristic what we call uh, falsifiability so falsifiability is the concept that states that if something can be falsified or if something can be refuted right if there can be a way of you know trying at least trying to dispute uh, or disprove a certain field of study then it may be considered as more of a science right so how do we know if something is a pseudoscience all right, so there are four characteristics. There are four main traits, right? Uh, of course, there are more, but these are four uh, examples or four traits of pseudoscience that uh, you can think of whenever you're uh, whenever you're classifying something, if it's a pseudoscience or not. Right. So the first characteristics, first characteristic rather of pseudoscience, is what uh, these fields of study are generally vague. They are generally exaggerated. Or untestable, right? So if you would read the fine print in some of these fields of study, they commonly use misleading language, and it often fails, you know, the falsifiability test that you know these languages, these uh, things that they're claiming, you know, they cannot be disproved, right? So that's already a red flag if something is a pseudoscience. Another trait of pseudoscience would be confirmation bias. It relies more on anecdotes. It relies more on hearsay. It relies more on you know people saying that ah it happened to me. You know this is true because it happened to me. It worked for me, right? And sometimes you know it can be outright denial of uh, scientific consensuses. So you know if you have a, a field of study that claims uh, that claims to be something that is very much opposite to the general uh, scientific consensus so for example flat earth right you know there are a lot of uh, fields of study that uh, already prove that the earth is not flat right but there is that field of study uh, for, uh, that is considered a pseudoscience another trait of pseudoscience would be your that you know these topics are stagnant these fields of study do not evolve, can do not progress throughout the years. It's always been the same thing that they've been claiming, you know, and it lacks self-correction and repudiation. You know, uh, these are fields of study where a lot of uh, people are basically parroting the same thing, 
they are saying the same thing ever since uh, the concept began and there's no there's no updates to it there's nothing new about it it's just stagnant and finally uh, a trait of those that believe in these particular pseudoscience would be that you know most of them they personalize issues so instead of you know using it using criticism as a chance of further study as a chance of you know improving that field of study they would antagonize people who believe in pseudoscience would antagonize these critics right okay one thing that comes to mind is uh, astrology right i apologize for those who believe in astrology but generally it's considered a pseudoscience because it pretty much fails a falsifiability test and it can be refuted um there are times that you know uh, I would there there are probably people out there who would say that um, you know they don't believe in pseudoscience and they would tell their friends that they don't believe in uh, astrology and then their friends who believe in astrology would probably say ah oh, that's because you're a Virgo that's because you're a Pisces or whatever you know whatever sign it is that characteristic that is pretty much a trait of those that believe in pseudoscience and so you know now that we've established what is science and what is not science let's go over to what are scientists what constitutes a scientist how will you know if someone is a scientist so you know i could think of 10 10 main traits of scientists and i could think of you know these are traits that should be observed in someone who you know is a scientist claims to be a scientist so the first of First uh, trait should be that, you know, scientists are curious. Scientists are always inquiring about the what and the why, you know, and the how. You know, they are always inquisitive. They are always um, wanting to know more. The very nature of science is that, you know, like we said, it's intellectual and it's practical. So they are, you know, scientists are always keen on finding out what is the truth, right? And that uh, curious curiosity, that inquisitiveness, right, uh, is coupled with the second trait, which is passion. They are passionate. They are dedicated in pursuing, you know, pretty much the untarnished truth. There are scientists who are, you know, studying their particular uh, topic or their particular field of study, you know, for five, ten, twenty. 30 years almost you know, almost their whole lives and you can see the passion in these scientists you can see that you know whenever you ask them about their topic you would see their face glow and trying to explain um, what their field is because they're passionate about it and that's a good trait of scientists another um, another trait that is observed in scientists is that they are observant scientists have a keen eye for detail they're very detail oriented they are you know on the lookout if they miss something uh, of course they want to do everything right as much as they can but even though if they fail they would be observant of what happened you know, how can we improve on this and stuff like that scientists are also analytical when we say analytical they go about things methodically logically they go about the particular system always go back to the uh, understanding of what science is science is also systematic and that system is something that uh, scientists uh, hold dear to them you know they they want to go about things 
you know, methodically and logically. Another characteristic that scientists should have would be uh, integrity, honesty, right? They put value in their principles, right? They would want to, you know, maintain academic honesty. And if that involves publishing uh, a failure or if that involves, you know, making known of uh, something that they did wrong, then scientists ought to do it, right? Scientists is not necessarily perfect anyway, right? Uh, nobody really gets it on the first try. Or most, of, most of the people don't really get it on the first try. And so failures will happen. And, you know, honesty is important in a scientist, especially in publishing. Speaking of failure, you know, scientists are also risk takers. So scientists aren't afraid to fail because failing is part of life and part of science, right? They would, of course, weigh the risks and understand that, you know, what could be done, especially uh, when doing experiments or when doing fields of study, doing field work. You know, scientists would often uh, be more brave in choosing to take the risk right in exchange for the tarnished truth scientists are also open-minded right they are open to their worldviews being shaken by their discovery by their observation by their analysis scientists are ought to be open-minded about things the things that we knew before are not necessarily the things that we know now you know and Further into the future, there may be some things that we know now that won't be that will be disproved or that are not true anymore, and so science should open up to that possibility as well. Scientists, especially good scientists, they're good communicators. Science communication is a bit of a problem nowadays, especially in the age of uh, quote unquote fake news, post truths, you know. Now, now more than ever, scientists are called upon to be good communicators. Uh, this is to prevent the uh, disparity, right? You know, some people will think that oh, science is only for smart people. No, it shouldn't be the case. Science uh, can be communicated, right, to anyone, and scientists ought to aim towards that uh, level of communication where they can explain their research with clarity, with brevity, right? explaining their rationale properly, telling the people, you know, what is it for? What is the use of this research? Scientists are also persistent. You know, part of being a risk taker is that, you know, you will be resilient. You will learn from your mistakes. You will keep on doing uh, what you do. You know, fail forward, basically. Scientists are really persistent especially when they're when they know that they're almost at a goal right every mistake is something that can be learned from and speaking of learning from mistakes scientists are also reflective right they uh, look into what can be done they always look back especially when you're tracking down experiments Uh, we are taught to write down what you observed even the mistakes and whenever when we're looking back at our notes, we're always trying to analyze, you know, what did I do wrong? What could I have done better? And that is actually part of the knowledge acquiring knowledge that is part of the process. Right? So these 10 traits, you know, curiosity, passion, being observant, being analytical, being honest, being a risk taker, open mindedness being a good communicator being persistent and being reflective i believe that these that 
these 10 traits are what scientists should be. And so, you know, whenever we talk about what are the characteristics of scientists, uh, it always comes to mind, you know, of course, those are the 10 ideal traits, but it always comes to mind, you know, what is the state of the actual scientists, especially here in the Philippines, you know, science is not as glamorous as one may think so. The other night, I was talking to a friend uh, who was working, who's working as a scientist, and I was asking her, you know, what, uh, what are some of the characteristics of scientists? I mean, I have an idea, and I just wanted to get an opinion from, you know, my friends who are scientists. And the first thing that she said are these uh, characteristics. So scientists are, quote, underpaid, overworked, sleep-deprived, contractual, no-work benefits, underappreciated. And, you know, that's sad, that's sad to think that science, especially here in the Philippines, is as undervalued as it is. You know, for every good headline that comes out, you know, UP developing test kits, especially in the time of COVID-19, uh, DOST going full throttle on developing tech with the public's welfare in mind. You know, there's also that headline about Diwata, which was uh, the first satellite that the Philippines sent, you know, and it returned to Earth. For every good triumph, right, that we have as a Philippine, uh, as in Filipino science, there's also the headline that comes out: uh, "Quote: DOST gets lower budget for 2020." DOST, by the way, uh, for some of the listeners, uh, it refers to the Department of uh, Department of Science and Technology. DOSD getting lower budget for 2020. Philippines ill-prepared as it grapples with coronavirus threat. Philippine basic research needs more funding. Funding. And so, being underappreciated by uh, the government and by the country as a whole is really disheartening. And the fact of the matter is, it is a characteristic of scientists, especially here in the Philippines. So we now know what science is, we now know what science isn't, and we now know the players, the scientists. So what are we doing here? What is the purpose of science? There's this famous interview with J. Robert Oppenheimer. So Robert Oppenheimer is the scientist who was uh, part of the Manhattan Project, which is infamously the birth of you know, the atomic bomb uh, research, especially in America. He was interviewed uh, just after the first testing of the atomic bomb. And this was his response. Quote, We knew the world would not be the same. A, people, a, few, a few people laughed. A few people cried. Most people were silent. I remember the line from the Hindu scripture, the Bhagavad Gita. Vishnu is trying to persuade the prince that he should do his duty. And to impress him, takes on his multi-armed form and says, Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. I suppose we all thought that one way or another. You can look it up on YouTube, uh, this exact quote right, by Robert Oppenheimer. And if you would notice his facial expression when he was giving out this uh, response, you could see that you know he looked weary, he looked maybe a bit ashamed he looked dead inside and 
you would have to think that someone who was esteemed as him, especially in terms of research, you know, someone who discovered how to harness the energy of the atom, you would wonder why uh, someone like him would look dead inside. And that's something that has to do with you know, what is the purpose of his research. Maybe he feels ashamed. Maybe he is uh, remorseful of what he's done. And so as scientists, uh, it's important that we know our why. We know why are we doing this. And I could think of three main uh, reasons, three main purpose purposes for doing science. The first, of course, the pursuit of truth. So science is an everlasting pursuit to figure out the entire truth. It is by nature dynamic and incomplete. It is ongoing. It will keep on going. Um, I don't think science has an end. Sometimes science is just knowing. Sometimes science is just trying to know what is the truth, right? Whether or not we find out what is the ultimate truth, right? The pursuit of truth is what makes science it is, what it is. When I was a student, when I was a chemistry major at the University of the Philippines and I was this I was part of this laboratory the food chemistry and molecular gastronomy laboratory under Dr. Grace Gregorio and as part of the research that we've done right, my thesis my undergraduate thesis was about mayonnaise so mayonnaise you know the four main ingredients of mayonnaise egg yolks oil salt and uh, vinegar and in this research, I aimed to replace vinegar with the different uh, local fruits, local citrus fruits in the Philippines. So that included calamansi, uh, that included kamyas, and that included diab. So these are local citrus fruits with different, with varying degrees of um, acidity and flavor. And so I've been making a lot of mayonnaise at home and in the laboratory. You know, just trying to use it for my thesis. And, you know, sometimes, you know, there are times when I was doing, you know, when I was making mayonnaise and I was doing the research, I was wondering, you know, what is this for? Why am I spending hours, you know, wasting egg yolks and egg whites and canola oil for, you know, for trying to do, uh, just try to make mayonnaise and trying to know more about it. And sometimes science is just like that. Sometimes science is just the pursuit of uh, knowledge, the pursuit of truth. What would be the effect of these citrus fruits if you turn them into uh, if you turn them into mayonnaise? So sometimes science is just like that. Sometimes science is just the pursuit of truth, and that is one major purpose of science. And I'm pretty sure all the scientists out there who are listening, you know. That's probably one of their biggest uh, whys. Why? Because pursuit of truth. Another big purpose that I think uh, that I think is the purpose of science is to improve the quality of life. Science should aspire to be of benefit, right? Instead of being of detriment, it should seek to improve how we live our lives. So, uh, the biggest example of that would be uh, doctors, of course, medicine. The whole field of medicine is based on the premise that, you know, you're after the health and wellness of people. And, you know, science being a part of that, I think that's one good reason. That's one good purpose of science, that um, it's for the benefit 
for the improving quality of life. I remember as well, uh, prior to being a teacher, I worked as a research assistant under Dr. Gregorio and Dr. Lilibet Ku. Right? They had this uh, research project wherein we analyzed different samples of Nipanog. So Nipanog is a version of a local um, wine that is made from the sap of the Nipa tree. It's very similar to the more famous Lambanog or the coconut wine, uh, just a different source. And there are these farmers who are working uh, to create Nipanog, to utilize their Nipa plants and their plantations and their farms. And our research aimed to provide quality assurance. It aimed to provide uh, more data regarding uh, Nipanog, whether it be in the chemical properties of the Nipanog, what it can be and what it should be. And so it aimed, our research aimed to improve the quality of life, especially for these farmers who are working nonstop, right, to get the the actual science behind it, to know the actual science behind it. You can see it in their faces whenever we would do field work, whenever we would do um we would do lectures, we would do uh, we would talk to them, talk to the stakeholders, making them understand what we're doing. Uh, you could see that there is enthusiasm in them, and there is that optimism that this research will improve their quality of life. And I believe that science uh, ought to be like that, whether it be uh, in medicine, in chemistry, in physics, or whatever field it would be, uh, science should aim to improve the quality of life. And finally, the other purpose, or the final purpose of science, and I believe one of the more important purposes of science. Science should aim to serve the people. Uh, Science should not aim to serve the interests of the elite and privileged only. It is for all. It seeks to uplift. It should seek to uplift and serve the general public. Right? And so you would see these different situations wherein you'd see scientists you know, going on rallies, voicing out their concerns, uh, explaining that uh, science should be for the people. Right? Science is, should uh, serve the people, basically. It is not just for the smart ones. It is not just for the rich ones. It should be for all. And I believe that science serving the people is one big uh, one good purpose of why we do science. I remember uh, reading this uh, article right, by Lauren Walker entitled, In an era of pandemic and protest, STEM education can't pretend to be apolitical. And there's this quote there. It said that, quote, Teaching students narrow and apolitical views of science also hides the fact that ev- the everyday practice of STEM routinely involves moral decision making. And so there are a lot of cases where marginalized sectors are discriminated, right? even in fields of research, even in uh, prestigious uh, fields of research. There are black scientists, there are scientists of, of the minorities, right? not getting, uh, not getting the, the credit, not getting the, uh, the spotlight that they deserve, right? They're always edged out by uh, the majority. There's always that discrimination. There's also, you know, sexual discrimination wherein women in science uh, are being undervalued and are being, uh, you know, being discriminated against. And so these nuances in science, uh, you know, 
it involves moral decision making and so being apolitical in science is not is not enough and it's not actually um, proper and so you would see scientists you know recently more recently scientists in america are calling for academic shutdown to support the black lives movement you know locally here in the philippines you see them um, scientists environmental activists all right these people men and women of science they are being killed all right uh, a more um, notable example of that would be leonard ko who is a prestigious uh, biologist here in the philippines um, more than 10 around 10 years ago he was um he was slain all right uh, by by soldiers who mistook him for a rebel and so these injustices these instances are you know the, what is happening right and so we can't scientists can't afford to be apolitical can't afford to have narrow views of science of just the pursuit of knowledge there has to be uh, an incorporation of what is the reality of what is society in at the moment i saw a tweet recently um about a fellow colleague right she is a student in mit she's a filipino student and she got a message right she was probably uh, i i forgot the whole story but she got she posted something on facebook on social media and it was a it was related to her pursuit in her endeavors in the field of science and fields of research right and one of the comments uh mentioned that quote if i were you continue your studies aim for the moon because that is once in a lifetime opportunities you are still raw and young in politics leave it to the veterans and older people earn your doctorate first i would like to hear more from you about the general theory of relativity it was dismissing her for being political right though that's something that scientists should be mad about uh her tweet read quote science seeks to discover truths about the universe however inconvenient these truths may be to be apolitical as a scientist is to turn against truth to be apolitical is to reject the very spirit of science and i agree i believe that science can't afford to be apolitical it can't afford to be neutral because Science by nature is already neutral. Going back to Robert Oppenheimer, uh, he's probably wondering that, you know, his whole research about the the atom and, the, and harnessing the energy of the atom, I'm not sure, right, what his thought process were, but he, he probably didn't think that it could have been used for mass destruction. When, you know, some people might think that, why didn't he just use it, uh, to solve the energy crisis you know the atomic energy uh, nuclear energy stuff like that science the science that we research on by nature is neutral it's only people who give meaning to them and whenever we give meaning i hope that we give meaning to it in such a way that is serving the true purposes of science for truth for improving quality of life and for serving the people another uh Another tweet I saw and I've you know fact checked on is that Carlos Linnaeus, so Carlos Carlos Linnaeus or Carl Linnaeus is this uh, famous biologist, is more commonly known as the father of taxonomy, and he wrote down uh, volumes of Systema Naturae, which is the 
which is how we came to know uh, as the binomial nom- binomial nomenclature, so the scientific names in all the organisms, right? In his first volume, he described varieties of human species. And in these varieties, he uh, segregated the different races of humans. So, for example, he claimed that Africans uh, were, quote, ruled by caprice and described as, quote, lazy, crafty, lustful, careless. Uh, He described uh, Native Americans as, quote, ruled by superstition and stubborn, ill-tempered, free. He described Asians as, quote, ruled by ritual and described as, quote, severe, greedy, haughty. And Caucasians, were des- he described, were, quote, ruled by intelligence and described, uh, you know, these, he said that they were, quote, gentle, acute, inventive, right? So Linnaeus might have been known as the guy who invented the system, the taxonomic system of binomial nomenclature. But it is often left out, you know, how racist he was. And these are truths that are inconvenient, but they are the truth. That uh, even in science, there is bias. Even in science, there is uh, discrimination. There's racism, sexism, right? These things are truths. And however inconvenient they may be, they have to be part of the narrative. They have to be part of the context. To end, I would like to say something about science. And this is something that I've been holding on to ever since I became a student of science and became a scientist, became a chemist, and now as a teacher. Scientist does not exist in a vacuum. It is always in the context of society. Science is not something that can be isolated from the society it is being discovered with or into. It is imperative that as scientists, we understand our why and we understand what our purpose is and we retain these principles that we ought to retain, you know, what is our purpose in doing science that should hold us grounded for any discovery that we might have. We have to give it purpose. We have to give it um, the purpose that it should have. And that is pretty much the gist of science.